This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Do you know, it's been a bit of a strange week for us. It's been a really topsy-turvy, upside-down week. When um, I was... um well, I, I didn't know when I was speaking next, and one day I was driving to work about a month ago, um, and I heard something on Radio 4. Anybody listen to Radio 4? Yeah. Excellent. For those of you who do, let me make this very, very clear. I've spoken before about when I come to power in Paris, Britain, they'll call it a golden age, right? <laughs> Listening to Radio 4 will be made law, right? It will be enshrined in law. So I suggest to you, get ahead of the curve, get in there now, or else I'm just going to have to have you rounded up and possibly killed, but you can plead to my mercy and it'll just be jail, okay? If you don't start listening to Radio 4. I'm just putting that out there now. So I was listening to Radio 4 and it was um, um, lectures by Hilary Mantel who wrote Wolf Hall. Anybody read Wolf Hall? Jail, all of you. (laughs) All of you, right? So, um, and she says one line, and I'll tell you what the line is later, but this whole message, this whole message fell into my head. And I got into work, and before I even sat down to start work, I wrote the whole message up. That has never happened to me before. Never, ever, never. Um, and so I was all set. I was talking to Ian, Ian and Jenny last week. They said, are you set for next week? I said, this has never happened. I've never been prepared a week before, ever. Usually, um, on the Sunday morning before coming, I'm just looking at it going, eh, is that what you want me to say? I don't know. So I was all set. And then at 10 to 7 last Monday morning, our world changed. Joe's dad knocked the door. For those of you who don't know, Joe and dad, Joe, Joe's dad and I aren't together. But he has children from another relationship. Um, we don't use words like half-brother or anything like that. For us, there's just family. That's it. Um, and the world changes in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And you think you're all set. And you think you know what the word of God is. And all of a sudden, you're in a position where you find you have to dig down deep for the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. <laughs> All of a sudden, you have to sit there and think, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because now I am watching my son in agony, in torment. But you know what? He's brave, and I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. And also, sorry, I'm going to say this, because there's YABC sitting there. Do you know, a lot of them have lost a lot of family members this year, and I'm going through some stuff right now, Aaron, right? Aaron's friend is missing in Armenford, okay? They are so brave. They are so courageous. They are so strong and they are so godly. And I tell you what, our prayers are with you. You're part of an army. We're not giving up on you. We're all together in this. Yeah. We love you. You are amazing and you have our heart. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah. So in the midst of all of that, then you have to look at the gospel and say, right, so what's this? Yeah. Right. So I had to go back and revisit all of this because I was... Was I complacent? Quite possibly, because that's never happened to me. If I was like, I know the word of God, I know the word of God. And then it's like, I don't. I don't know what God is saying. So I have to find out for myself again, afresh, what is God saying? And God says the same thing time and time and time and time and time and time again, which is, doesn't matter what happens to you, I love you. Doesn't matter what happens to you, fix your eyes on me. It doesn't matter what is happening to you, go the way I am going. It doesn't matter what happens to you, just follow me, be obedient to me. And in the darkest days, in the hardest days, when it's hard to do it, we have to do it. The call on us is to follow Jesus Christ and to lead others to him. And it is tough. But you know, we weren't, we weren't promised an easy life, were we? We weren't. 
We weren't. I hate to bring that to you. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world, says Jesus. So we engage that part of us that says, Lord, I am yours, you are mine. Your love and you is forever, and you have to walk baby steps, maybe, sometimes. You know, Abraham Lincoln says this. Um, it's a beautiful quote. He says, I may walk slowly, but I never walk backwards. Sometimes our steps may feel hampered or it feels like life is a struggle and it's difficult but just keep moving (laughs) just keep moving with God just keep walking with God with your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and you'll get there don't stop and don't go backwards and that brings me to my message today today the title of this message that um look I ripped my notes (laughs) but fortunately I made some more (laughs) I'm all over it the title of this message is, Don't Look Back, You're Not Going That Way. Okay? And I want us to all take that on board today. There are things in our lives that will try to drag us back. Sometimes it feels like you're walking and your coat is being pulled like that, isn't it? Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at what you used to be. Look at what you used to be. Look how terrible your life used to be. Look how terrible you used to be. But you know what? Keep looking forward. You're not going back. Not one of you here is going back. Promise me that now. Right? Because Jesus promises you that. You don't have to look back. You're going forward. Okay, so we're going to kick off with a story from the Bible. And I love, I love, I love, I love a bit of Genesis. I do, I do, I do. It's chapter 19. So we're going to kick off that. It's the story of Lot. Yeah? Everyone know the story of Lot? Everyone's going, oh, here we go. It's Lot. I'm even polishing my glasses ready to read it all out to you. Now, who was Lot? Lot was Abraham's nephew. And they rock up together in, you know, in this land where Abraham's been called out and Lot is with him. Okay? And um, they're told, here we go. I'm, I'm giving you some land. And there's two bits to the land. There's a clear division. Right? There's a really lush, fruitful, green, gorgeous part of the land. And there's barrenness. And Abraham, being Abraham, the man called out by God, a man blessed, who all generations will come from him, whose generations will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, the man who is going to father the child of the promise, who knew all of this. Do you know what he does? He says to Lot, you choose first. Ah, that's grace, isn't it? There's a whole sermon in itself in there. He says, I got it all. He could easily have said, so Lot, this is what's happening. Um, I'm God's man. You take that bit. I'll take that bit. Okay, all the best. See ya. Okay, but he doesn't. He says, you choose Lot. And Lot chooses the nice bit for himself and his family. He chooses the lush, gorgeous bit. And Abraham, does Abraham go, I'm not being funny. You know, I asked you, but I didn't actually mean you could choose. You know, you should do that very British thing of, no, no, you first. No, you first. Oh, no, I insist you first. Oh, no, you first. And then you choose the thing you really don't want and end up resentful. That's the British way, isn't it? Instead, he says, you choose. Lot chooses. Lot chooses the best bit for him. You see, point number one. Lessons from Lot. Don't look back. You're not going that way. Avoid choosing the superficial. Avoid choosing something that on the surface of it looks like the best thing that is ever going to happen to you. If it cost you nothing, my father's words ring in my ears when it comes to this. Andrea Doll, he calls his daughter's doll. Go with her, right? If it looks too good to be true, it is. Right? If somebody is offering you something for nothing, that is too good to be true. Every opportunity God has ever presented me with has presented itself initially as hard work. 
okay do not despise the day of small beginnings the bible tells us embrace that hard work don't look at something and think well this is obviously what i'm meant to do and choose the better path because it benefits you okay look at it and think god what do you want me to do and god might be saying ah you know i'd like you to choose that barren land because i'm going to teach you so much stuff in hard work i'm going to teach you so much about patience i'm going to teach you so much about love i'm going to teach you so much about me I'm going to teach you so much about overcoming your frustrations. You are going to love me at the end of all that hard work, Andrea. Whereas if you have it all on a plate, what do you need me for? So you know what? Beware the superficial. Beware. Beware. Okay? So anyway, we go on. As it turned out, this lush, lovely land was not all it was cracked up to be. For in this lush and lovely land were two cities, two terrible cities, filled with, to the brim of naughty people. Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, if this is a film now, can you see it? Because I'm quite visual like that. I'm like, oh, I can see it. Oh, all the naughty people. Right, so Sodom and Gomorrah. So he's in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, and I tell you what, Lot made some rubbish mistakes, right? He made some terrible, terrible choices. Because not only did he rock up and then live in Sodom, he became quite an important figure in Sodom. Do you know what? Point number two. Oh, it's easy to compromise. What kind of a stand can you make if you are compromising with sin? Let's not make the mistake of thinking... Actually, you know what? Even in the midst of all that sin that I'm not saying anything about or actually standing up against, so I'm kind of colluding with it, um, I can be a godly light there. How can you be a godly light if you're not doing anything about it? Question. How can you be a godly light if you're not doing anything about it? How can you be effective if you're completely ineffective? How can you make a stand if you're not making a stand? Don't make the mistake of thinking that just your godliness will, by osmosis, you know, change people's behaviour around you. You have to make a stand for Jesus. When you have done all you can to stand, then stand, the Bible tells us. You know what? Your stand is important. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned, but please don't ask me to speak to my work colleagues. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned, but please don't ask me to confront anybody's sin in my life. I really don't want to have that conversation. Do you know what? It doesn't take much for us to become ineffective. But I digress. Let us read the word of the Lord. Here we go. Chapter 19. Oh, and this is another really brilliant thing. We'll come on to this. Angels show up. (laughs) As if this weren't enough, a couple of angels rock up. So here we go. The two angels arrived in Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way in the early morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. The reason Lot insisted so strongly is because he knew what happened in Sodom at sundown. Right? That these men would be vulnerable. That they were going to be prey to everything that happens come the end of the night. All right? We'll skip some verses. Okay. Basically, what happens is a load of people gather around. And they're screaming out a lot, throw these men out. Throw them out. So that we can have our way with them. The Bible actually says so we can have sex with them. Yeah. And Lot goes out and says, do you know what? Don't have them. They're my guests. Have my daughters instead. <laughs> Fact. In the Bible, what's that about? Listen, I told you he made some rubbish decisions. This is what I mean by you can't be effective, you're completely ineffective. You can't stand up to sin by countering it with another sin. 
Do you understand what I mean? And you can be a good person in a really sinful place, but because you haven't stood up to it before, because you haven't engaged that spirit of Jesus Christ inside of you to stand up to it, you end up where your good act is a compromise. Do you understand? Even your goodness, even your act that you think you're doing for Jesus becomes a compromise before God. And God says, I can't bless compromise, by the way. I can't bless sin, by the way. I can't bless your sitting on the fence, by the way. I can't do any of that. What I can bless is my own righteousness in you. That's the word of God right there for us today. He cannot bless any compromise or sinful behavior in us. He can only bless his own righteousness. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So if we engage that part of us and we don't look back at what we were and we keep focusing on the goal, which is Christ, then God can bless everything that we do because we are working as unto the Lord. Do you get it? Do you get it? Because very often we think, well, do you know what? I'm here. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. And I still love you, Jesus. And Jesus is going, you're not doing anything wrong, Andrea. But you're not doing anything right either. I love these people. And you are letting them do their own thing. I've put you in position to say something. I've put you in position to stand for something. I've put you into position to share my love in people's lives. I do youth every Friday night with a team. I love my team. I do youth every Friday night. When I get to heaven, which I will, despite what you all might think, okay? When I get to heaven, God, we will be judged. The saints will be judged. Amen? Amen. Bring it on. That's how we should feel. That's how we should feel because we should be there going, I can't wait to tell you everything I did in your name. Shouldn't we? No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Yes? Bold I approach the eternal throne to claim the crown through Christ my own. That's what the hymnist says. So I should be able to, on the day of judgment, stand there when Jesus says to me, Andrea, those young people on a Friday night, what did you do with my name? What did you do with my name on a Friday night to all those young people? And pray, I pray God that on a Friday night, we as a team showed them Jesus Christ and the gospel every time. Because when else are they going to hear it? Do you understand? This is what we're getting at. We continue reading. Here we go. Okay. So here's the two men. The two men, the angels, are there. They are charged with a rescue mission. Let's listen. Okay. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons and daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against his people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. (laughs) Hey, see these two guys, they're angels, they're going to bring the city down. Aye, aye. Right? So that's how that would go. We've got to tell the truth even when people are laughing in our faces. You know what? Jesus Christ came to love you, but he also, you know what? If you don't believe in him, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. And people think you're mad, but don't let that stop you telling them. (coughs) Don't wait until the chips are right out. Do you know if we have learned anything as a family this week is how short life is? Isn't it? And that we have a duty to be sharing with people the love of Jesus Christ. You know, and to be making the most of every minute. We really do. So Lot went out. There we go. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, 
saying, Harry, take your wife and your two daughters. Is it up there? Oh, excellent. Take your two daughters who are here or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand on the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them out safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives, don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please, your servant has found favour in your eyes, but you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to. It is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. Okay? He said to them, very well, I will grant you this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. By the time not reaches Oa, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah for the Lord out of the, from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all of those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. So the brush, bar, lush, lovely bit all got destroyed. Okay. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the lands of the plain, and saw dense smoke rising from the land, like the smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Leave that up there for now, Lee, if that's okay, please. Leave that up there. So there's a couple more things. So we've talked about, you know, not choosing the superficial, not blending in. But there's another thing I want to bring to us. Lessons from Lot's life. We're going to go on to lessons from Lot's wife in a bit, okay? So gird your lines for that, <laughs> right? But this bit is the secret mercy of intercessionary prayer. See, I've read you chapter 19. But if you go back to chapter 18, you will read all about how Abraham pleads for Lot's life. Abraham who could have picked the best and beautiful land for himself, who didn't say anything when Lot wanted it, was visited by angels also. Let me say something about visitations from angels. First off, the bat. The Renaissance and art in through the ages has depicted angels as having wings, blonde hair, and white robes. If you read John Milton's Paradise Lost, they are the most scary thing you will ever, ever not want to meet. Okay? They are kitted out in full armour and they are ready for a fight. The angels he writes of. They do not take any mess in. And nowhere in the Bible do you read stories of angels stroking your face and brushing your hair and going, don't worry, it's going to be all right. The angels come with a challenge, don't they? Angels always come to do the work of the Lord. They're not on anyone's side. And they tell you that. Whose side are you on? I'm on the side of the Lord. You want to be on my side? That's fine, but it's God's side. Don't ask me to come over to you and tell you nice things. They told Mary, a teenager, she was pregnant out of wedlock. That was a stoning offence. And she had to do it. It was unto her as the Lord was, as said. You know what? They come with challenges. They come with difficult things. And they say, now what are you going to do with what I've said God wants to do in your life? And you go, well, couldn't you wear a white robe and just fly around a bit? Because that's really what I would rather prefer. Aren't you rather pretty? You know, can't you tell me nice stuff? No, the angels come and say, we are burning down this city. Do you want to get out? Because Lot hesitated. He's like, oh. Well, how long have I got? And they're like, not long. Because we are burning down this city. So you choose now 
whether you're on God's side or Sodom's side. Because we are burning down this city and we're giving you a chance to get out of it. That's what I mean by don't look back. God has given you a chance, named Jesus. Now we're out. You don't have to keep looking back to see what you've escaped from. It's good to be humble about that stuff, right? But you don't have to keep picking the scab of a wound to keep looking at what you've been saved from. Thank the Lord that he sends his angels to give prior warning about this stuff. But in the meantime, God himself has appeared before Abraham and said, I am destroying that city. Abraham knows lots in it, but not just Lot. He pleads with God. He pleads and says, what about the righteous people in that city? And God says, I'm destroying it. And Abraham goes, no, but please, for 50. Okay, if there's 50, I won't destroy it. Okay, then um, Abraham says, what about 40? And he whittles it down until he says, do you know if there's only 10 people there? Please, will you not destroy that city? You see, we appeal to God, not because he's on our side. We appeal to him in every single facet of his character. And he blesses righteousness in people. He did destroy the cities. You're thinking, hold on, Andrea, you've just read to me that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Hallelujah, yes, they were. But the righteous people in there were rescued. They lumbered less than 10. But God got them out. You see... No matter what tragedy, trauma, hell befalls our life, God will always rescue the righteous. Yes, you can rest assured in that. His word promises it. Jesus died once and for all for everyone. If you are in him, you are rescued. The rescue mission has happened. Mission accomplished. If you are righteous, God is on your side. Right? You cannot rest in that place going, well, I'm saved now. God will will just walk in and act for me. It requires a passionate, active spirit on your part. A heart after his heart. He cannot bless sin. Don't look at your life and again, why is this happening to me? Why can't he bless that bit of my life? Maybe, do you know what? Question your own motives. Why do you want that bit of your life blessed? Are you sinning in that bit of your life? Seriously, we need to question all of that stuff, strip it right back and says, if God is for me, Romans 8, no man can be against me, for I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, and it is your righteousness in God that brings that about for you. Do not expect to act like a lump of hell and have God pour all the treasures of heaven out upon you. Otherwise be blessed wouldn't they all the time we wouldn't live it we wouldn't have to do anything to encounter blessing in our lives now don't get me wrong it's by faith not just works is it but it is my faith that makes me act on christ's behalf and makes me a more christ-like person so i can act in a christ-like way which increases somebody else's faith which increases my faith it goes on and on and on and on these cities were brought to catastrophe your life doesn't have to God is saying, I'll get you out. I'll get you out. Don't hesitate. Don't look back. In the end, the angels had to take Lot by the hand and say, we're leaving. (coughs) You know what? Instead of feeling somebody tugging your coat, pulling back, make sure you feel God pulling you forward like that. Sometimes it's by the scruff of the neck stuff, isn't it? Oh, but I don't know. And God's going, shut it and get out of there. (laughs) You know? Stop your claptrap. I don't want to hear what you've got to say about this. You know it's wrong. Get out. Don't hesitate. Don't look back. But... When you know the mercy of God in your life and what he has rescued from, then the call upon us as Christians is intercession. 
praying on behalf of someone else. Lot had no idea that Abraham had stood in the gap for him and saved his life. Appeal to the Most High God himself. You are in that position, friends. You are in that position where you can pray for others, pray blessing upon them, not cursing. I would even go further. This week, I want to challenge us all. I want us to lavish someone in prayer. Someone we know, someone we don't know. But no, not the people you like. Not your favourites. Choose someone. Choose someone and say, do you know what? I'm not even sure I like this person. <laughs> I'm not even sure that they, they mean good for me. doesn't matter, because the Bible says, pray for those that despitefully use you. Pray blessing, not cursing on your enemies. Pick someone and pray God's considerable, overflowing, outrageous blessing on their life. That's what your challenge is this week. Not the easy person, the difficult person. The person who challenges you. The person that you really have got a problem with. The person that when they start speaking, you want to do that. Yeah? Oh, yeah, everyone's like, Mark laughs because Mark knows what I'm saying. You know, because he's honest. The rest of you are going, there's no one I feel like that about Andrew, but I love everyone in the world. Oh, my gosh, I'm so godly. You know what? I just love everyone. I have no enemies. Um, you're a liar. <laughs> liar. Right? We've all got that person who gets under our skin and just sets her teeth on edge. And every time they think, I mean, you know, you know, you know it's disastrous when you actually get to a point where you think, I'm sorry, but you have to breathe like that. You know, is it, you know, even the sound of their breathing <laughs> makes you so angry. They haven't even said a word. But you are a seething ball of rage simply by them being in a room breathing. Pray for that person to be blessed. Yeah? yeah? Oh, that's what we're doing this week. Oh, yes, we are. Okay? And you're saying to me, now those people in Sodom and Gomorrah, Andrea, how do we know that they were given a chance? How do you not know? That's rather mean of God, isn't it? To you, I would say it's the same as all of us in this world today. You know the flood had already happened. Noah had already happened. God had destroyed the world once. They knew. They knew what God was capable of. They knew what was right from wrong. They knew. And we know. Don't we? We know. And, you know, uh, you know remember the t- touched on last week something Charlotte Campbell said in Cherish? It's no longer about building towers for ourselves to live safely in. It's about setting a table that we can invite others to sit and join us. And, that, you know, they sit at the feast of Jesus and there is enough to go around. And we can say, you come and join us. You are more than welcome. You are invited. I've got through it. I can now stand the sound of you breathing. Please come and join us. Please come and sit at this table. I'm not going to cloister myself in a tower anymore where I restrict the love of God to me and mine and how it benefits me and mine. Do you know that's called manipulation, right? That's called control. In the worst cases, it's called exploitation. We are not about that. We are of Christ, and we stand up for what he believes in. Now, this is an encouragement, so I hope you feel encouraged. Everyone's going, yeah, burning cities. Whoa, that's encouraging. But it is, because look what you've been rescued from. And now we're going to look at what happened to Lot's wife. Oh, what a crazy situation. Do you know what, though? If somebody says, you know, it's like that thing, and right, don't look, you go. Straight away, isn't it? Can you imagine going, going, we're rescuing you, but don't look back. And you'll be like, oh, I didn't want to look back until you said it, isn't it? Like, eyes focused, just don't let me look back. But you know what? Let's read Luke 17 because Jesus talks about this. And if in doubt, 
here's a life rule for you. A little bit of guidance, a little bit of a heads up. If in doubt, read what Jesus would do. Yeah? You know, people go, oh, what shall I do with this situation? What does Jesus say? You know, you know, for everything, pretty much everything. Because if it's a question of right and wrong, good and bad, I think you know what side Jesus would be on. So you don't really need anyone to tell you that, do you? We don't, do we? I don't know whether to, uh, you know, do this. Uh, what would Jesus do? Well, he wouldn't do it. Well, don't then. What do you need a word from God for? Don't do it. You know, some people will call that a moral compass. That's fair enough. If it's wrong, don't do it. There we are. Word of the day. Okay, here we go. It's not hard, though, is it? No, we get really tied up about things like that. You know, oh, I don't know whether I should do it. Is it wrong? Yes. Don't do it. You know? Oh. Anyway, here we go. Here we go. I love all this. Okay. This is Luke 17, verses 28 to 35. Just as it was in the days of Noah. I've gone a bit backly, but don't worry, you put up what you've got. So will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, Fire and sulphur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son, of, the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the roof of the house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, the other left. Okay? Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Do you know what? Oh, I love Jesus, don't you? This is Jesus at his most passionate. You know, when he says that, that was my grandfather's favourite verse in the Bible. Remember? Cofiwch graiglot. He used to say in Welsh chapel. But it's like, there's even an exclamation, Matthew, where Jesus is going, remember Lot's wife. Why, when I have given you all the treasures of heaven, would you go back to rescue your handbag? Right? We scrabble about in what we think are the best bits of our life for the bits that we want, and we eschew, we turn away, we throw away everything God has given to us. And this is what I want to come to know. So lessons from Lot's wife. Okay? Don't look back. Don't look back. You're not going back, so don't look back. Okay, so first, Hebrew word for that means to regard, to give credence to, to give time to, to pay attention to. So what Jesus is saying isn't, you know, somebody raised a brilliant question, Chris Alder raised a brilliant question on Friday when we were going over this, which is, but isn't it okay to look back at what you were and to see where you've come? Of course it is. Of course it is. With humility in your spirit saying, thank you God for rescuing me from that. What isn't okay is to look back and regret and long and think, ah, do you know, I miss those days. Yeah. Ah, I miss it when I could do that. I really miss it when I was able to do that with no comebacks. Without realising that the hugest comebacks have huge consequences on your life. That the random acts that we think we're doing when we're drunk or when we're high or when we're just mucking about with some people in, in, you know, toxic friendships, toxic relationships, toxic conversations. We don't see that those have far-reaching consequences in our lives and the lives of others. And we look back with longing for the days when we were allowed to do it. Note, you were never allowed to do it. Humankind was not created for that kind of poison. We weren't. 
You were created for love. You were created for love and to have a relationship with your father. End of. That's what you were made for. So the first thing is, you know what? This week I have learned, in the middle of it all, we cannot look back in grief. We cannot look back at those we have lost and say, but you know what? I miss them and I wish they were here and life would be different if they were here and what if they were still with me? All of that stuff is normal grief, but you cannot define your life by it, friends. You cannot define your life by it. You know what? It is recognizing what we have lost and replacing that with love and knowing that what that person put into our lives, that person who died that we loved. We're thinking about Sean today, aren't we? We're thinking about your granddad, Crisaldo. We think about you know, Liana's nana. We think about your father. We think about everybody who's lost somebody. And we think this. I thank God. I thank God that I was able to love them and have them love me. Because there is always a lesson in love. Yeah. And rather than sit in that place and look back in grief and think, I cannot move from here. Gail, thinking of you today as well and Martin. You think, No. Jesus loves me, so I look this way. And the hurt there, and it is hurt. Grief is hurt, but I keep going this way, knowing that I have been loved and I'm capable of loving, and that doesn't die. That will never die. And the line on Radio 4, right, that put all this message in for me was this. It's from St. Augustine, and he says this. The dead are invisible, they are not absent. How beautiful is that? We think we've lost people and we'll never see them again, but we forget their legacy is in our lives. Their legacy is in us. If you love someone, they're still alive because they're in you. Love doesn't die. Love moves on and it multiplies and it begets love. Where there is more love, there will only be more love. And so I ask you, with a pure heart, and aware that in this room today there are breaking hearts, I want you to know that you can stand in this place and you can look at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and know that your grief is totally, totally, totally bound up in him. He takes your grief in his hand, he says, give it to me give it to me. That's what Jesus says. He says, give it to me. And he keeps it there. And he says, I love you so much. I'm going to keep this so you can carry on. That's what he does for us. You know, our hurts will keep us looking back. But we were made for more than that. That is not heartless. That is not selfish. That is not forgetting. We don't forget the people we've loved. That's madness. We don't forget them. What we say is, this hurts, and I'm sad, but I am loved. Mm. With a greater love that the world can't understand. And then it's that peace that drops into your heart that means you can walk around, breathing, talking, getting on with your day, knowing that I am loved. And because I am loved, I can show others how they are loved. I would be grateful this week if you could spare Joe's dad, stepmother, and Sean's mother a little prayer because they are not believers. But they need to know that there's a Jesus Christ in this world who loves them. 
and the call upon our lives is to be light right now. And that's hard for a 17-year-old who's lost his brother, I'll tell you that. But we pray the Father for Joe, for Crisaldo and his family, for Aaron and his family, for Gitto, for all those young people. We pray the Father, pray the Father for you, Abby, that you are a light in your world. So you're not looking back, you're looking forward. Amen? Amen. Amen. And the sad truth is, all of us will experience something like that in the future. So it isn't something we can stand on the outside of and think, oh, I don't know how you feel. We can engage that compassion and empathy in us and go, do you know what? Thank you, God, I haven't had to go through that yet. But I know that one day that day will come. And if I can help someone through theirs, I know when my time comes, I'll be helped too. We're a family. We're the kingdom. And we're with each other. Do you know what? You're awesome. Right. The next thing is anger. Right? Don't keep looking back at anger. It has long-term and short-term implications in terms of your health. Don't keep looking at it. Bible tells us clearly, don't go to bed on it. Sort it out. I'll tell you why. Because it makes you ill. That's why. Your body releases chemicals in line with that because anger is a stress response. The longer you live under that stress response, you will get ill. You will find anxiety. You will find depression. You will find things like, you know, real ill health in your body. Physical symptoms. God hasn't planned that for you. Don't look at it. And there might be things in your life that you are justifiably angry about. I hear that. I hear that. But I'm saying you are filled with the love of Jesus Christ. And again, he says, now give me that. Where's that anger? Put it here. You put it here. And he takes it. And he covers it with his love. So that your hands are free. You can't keep carrying this stuff around. It will weigh you down. It pulls you back until you have no choice to turn around. But you are walking onwards. Leave your anger. Whatever that anger is about. Life is short, people, to be angry with people. Life is short to be angry. And you may never, ever, ever have a chance to put it right. Right? That's what you need to remember. Life can change in the blink of an eye and you think, oh, I've got time for that. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You don't know what's going to happen. God does. God does. Be open and teachable. Be open and teachable. Allow yourself to have people in your life who say, you are acting badly, mind. You've got to knock this on the head. You've got to deal with this. You've got to sort this out. The way you're behaving, that's not okay. And if they won't, because we are called to be peacemakers. Right? We're not called to be peacekeepers. That goes hand in hand with it. We are called to be peacemakers, where there is strife, where there is trouble, where there is dissent, where there is compromise, right? Where there is compromise, we are called to be peacemakers in that situation. So the call upon you is to say to someone sometimes, pack it in. You know, it's really difficult, isn't it? But this is what we mean about blending in and standing up. You can say to them, listen, what you're talking about, what you're trying to drag me into, that's not okay. This is where I stand. You want to feel like that? There's nothing I can do about that, but I pray you wouldn't feel like that. But you know what? I am not coming with you. You want to go down that route? You want to feel that? You want to stir things up against another person? You want to let that seed of bitterness grow? Look, okay. I pray you wouldn't do that. I'm telling you not to do that. But what you can't expect is for me to stand alongside you and water it. 
I'm not going that way. I'm not looking back. It happened. It's done. Now I'm looking this way and moving on. Confident that God has good things for those who are in Christ Jesus and love him. Do you understand? Do you understand? You see, we believe in a huge God, but we make him a tiny God. We don't really believe, oh, do you know what? He's only got good for those who believe in him and trust him and and are obedient to his will. Rather, how can that person get away with doing that to me? How can you let that happen? So no, I'm going to stay here until you resolve it, and then I'll walk on. And God goes, ah, but don't you get it? If you just walked on and left that behind, you'd see it resolved. You'd see how massive I am and how I'm going to act in your life if you would just let go of that. But instead, we stand there, stamping our feet, demanding that God does something about it. And God's going, "Uh, I'm not on anyone's side. I'm not on anyone's side. I love everyone. I love everyone equally. And justice belongs to him. You will see your justice worked out if you're lucky. (laughs) You may not, but you can rest knowing God will not be trifled with. He will defend you. You may not see it or feel it, but you know you've just sung it. He's on your side. So you really... Really, if we don't get an outward showing manifestation of that, what business is that of ours? But I want them to know. I want to know who's on my side. I want to see them ground into the dirt. I want to, you know, Lord, I really love them and I'm praying for my enemies, but if you could just make something really terrible happen to them and I get to watch, I would just, you know... That would just be how I would do it, Lord. But your will, your will, your will, Lord. Your will in all things, but make them suffer. But your will. But that's what we really want. Don't don't sit there now going, no, Andrea, I only ever pray blessing on my enemies. I only ever want most best for them. Honestly, no, that's all I want. Rubbish. Rubbish. We don't want anything really super bad to happen to them, but we just want them to know that it was... This is happening to you because of what you did to Andrea Parry. That, you know, we want God to shout in their faces, don't we? Right, I'm doing this to get back at you for Andrea. No, he's not going to. He's not going to. Because know what God is interested in for you? Is your relationship with him. Not what anybody else's relationship looks like. He's interested in his relationship with them. What he's not going to do is, is check in and go, um, Hi, babe, uh, are you free? It's God, yeah. uh, Just want you to know they're really coming round. They're in a place of forgiveness now and repentance. And um, so I think that's going to work out. Okay, love God, see you. That is not going to happen. And that's none of your business. What your business is, is to pray for them. That's your business. Your business is to pray God's love on them. Not wait for God to show you how much he loves you by destroying someone else. Right? Don't go there. (laughs) Don't go there. Live your life. Live your life. We bind ourselves up in chains and we put our own life on hold. It's like um, a cork in a champagne bottle. You know, you can't get it back in. But when you see the size of it and you see what it's holding back, yeah? That's, you know, that's what we're like sometimes, isn't it? You know, it's only the tiniest thing holding us back from sheer blowout. Why haven't you acted on my behalf? Well, that's not faith. That's not love. That's not trust. That's not hope. That's vengeance. That's revenge. <laughs> That's unforgiveness. <gasps> I said it. We're not, we're not about that. We shouldn't be about that if we say we love Christ Jesus. Are you with me? 
Do you understand what this is all about? You know what? Don't keep looking back. Don't keep looking back. You know, you were planned for so much more than that. The calling of God on your life is so much greater than that. Isn't it? Isn't it? To just, you know, to leave all of that behind. To leave the guilt and shame behind. The last point I want to make before we go to the the conclusion, sorry if I've been an age, is this. What I touched on at the beginning. Don't look back on the illusion of freedom that you feel you had before you were a Christian. Don't look back on what was once, you know, your life. Don't look back longing for a time where you could go back to swearing, smoking, drinking, you know, loose women, whatever. Don't know, I don't know. Don't look back at that time where you felt you had more freedom. Do you know it was for freedom that Christ has set you free? You are so free right now. If you were a Christian and you are in exploring the whole dimension of that freedom of relationship with Christ Jesus, and I mean explore it. Explore it is amazing, it's fascinating. What God loves you for is amazing. Do you understand? You just think I'm not just made for this, I'm made for all of this. Wow. But if all you can focus on is that you were allowed to drink with your mates with impunity. I know it's more than that. That you were allowed to go out and, you know, you know, oh, I can't do any of that anymore now, see, because I'm a Christian. Oh, no, I can't wear eyeliner anymore now, I'm Christian. Can't, uh, can't laugh. Yeah, that's, that's not allowed, says you. Not allowed to smile. Oh, listen, if you're looking at any part of your life that was sinful with longing, you need to maybe go back and address that right there because it was wrong. Yeah? yeah? But what we're saying is, do you know what? If you feel like that, though, about any part of your life, then you are not living in the freedom Christ bought so dearly for you. That's what I would say. And I say that without judgment, without condemnation. It's particularly difficult when you're a new Christian. And that doesn't depend on age. We've got a lot of young people here today. That doesn't depend on age, does it? When you're a new Christian, it's particularly difficult, I think, for someone to say, okay, and this is how you live your life now. Like, a load of rules. And you think... Are you saying that everything I did before was wrong? Are you saying that everything I did before was sinful? No, 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 no. But we don't explain that fully, do we? Because what we want is to have people, the world wants rather, there is an assumption of intolerance around Christians, isn't there? So now you have to conform to what we think a Christian should be. Isn't it? And Christians think that, mate. You go to some churches and it is very much laboured. But you're a Christian, this is how you behave now. This is, uh, no, no, you don't do that. Don't do that. Are you wearing high heels? You're going to hell. You know, uh, are you, you know, are you, yeah. it, it, it's so cloistered and strict and restrictive and we miss the fact that Jesus Christ set us free for freedom. I don't care what you wear. I don't. As long as it's clothing. <laughs> do wear some. That would be marvellous. You know, I'm not, I'm not concerned about what... It's their relationship with Jesus. But it's when you think you're missing out. That's when it becomes a problem. You're not. You're not. That is a lie, friends. That is a lie from the enemy who does not want you to explore your freedom in Christ, to enjoy your freedom in Christ, to know that you are free in Christ. That is a lie that says, oh, look, you were free back then. Not so much now. But you are. So, can the band come back up? Is that, is, is that what we're doing? We're, it's all mixed up here today. I don't know what's happening. All right? Yeah, just say it. So, here we go. We're not looking... Oh, see, they come, I, I say come up. Do you know what we need here? It's a mini roundabout. Right? Give way to the right. Look at that. 
don't look back. Don't look back. You're not going that way. You were made for better than that. In the midst of the difficulties, really, really hard stuff. Don't look back. You fix your eyes on Jesus. That's the way you're going. Friends, you know, I wrote this down. You know, this morning, a faith refined through trials and suffering is demonstrated through a life of sincerity and belief. That is what we are aiming for. We're not saying that we won't have trials and suffering, but allow God to use this time in you to transform your relationship with him into one of sincere belief and trust and love and hope and joy and peace and self-control and patience where every fruit of the Holy Spirit is on display for all to see. Why? Not because, oh, I love Jesus, but because you are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to pretend to be a Christian. You are a Christian. And when you are in Christ Jesus, your life just flows out of everything from there. So it isn't an act anymore. So you don't have to pretend, oh, my gosh this is what I'm feeling but really what I wish is still back here you are walking forward with him and you know what it doesn't matter if you can't see the path it doesn't matter if you can't see what's at the end it doesn't matter if you don't know what's coming up and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you've left behind he sees it all he knows it all you don't have to keep picking over the ruins of your life because you're ashamed of it or angry about it or guilty about it God says leave it there I've dealt with it. Now walk on with me this way. Friends, my prayer for you this week is that you would experience the God in, it, in, in all his glory, but to the very depths of what he wants for you. That there is a new recognition of what God wants for your life, for you individually, and that everything that in you before that has restricted that and that has held that back, that is now gone and washed away in the love of Jesus. That you can walk confident in what he he has planned for you friends you weren't built for more than what you are settling for now stop looking back you're not going that way bless you all amen this message was brought to you by abc church for more information please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on facebook or twitter you can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000